So, first Sunday of 2019, we're going to start a new teaching series, which will cover the next three weeks, that I called, Look After Yourself. Look After Yourself. A lot of people have got that in mind, of course, with it being New Year's, right? I was, uh, the other morning, I, I got up and uh, I said to Jill, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out for a walk in the morning, and then um, I tried to get out quietly, um, but my quietly is apparently not that quiet. And so I got out and got ready, and, and, and then I'm downstairs, and then I hear her, and she says, are you going out in the dark? I said, yeah. Are you walking in the dark? Yeah. And she said, wait a minute, I'm going to toss you down your little identity bracelet. So if a car hits you, they'll know who to call. <laughs> and then later on, she said, why didn't you go to the gym? I said, oh, that's easy. And there's a number of reasons I didn't go to the gym. One of the reasons is this. At the gym, I've got a place I always park in. Right, that's my spot. I've got my parking spot at the gym. And then when I go in the gym and go upstairs, I've got a treadmill. That is my treadmill. Right, I pay money for that one. And I know that if I go to the gym in January, somebody will be in my parking spot. In fact, parking will be difficult probably. And I know that if I go in and go upstairs, there will inevitably be somebody on my treadmill. And I'm going to start a workout in such a bad frame of mind that it's way safer for me to wander around the road in the pitch black. Because <laughs> a lot of people think about looking after themselves at the start of the year. A number of years ago now, I, I can remember it pretty distinctly, we were down in Texas with our son and his family for Christmas, and I, I, I remember this. I, I, was, I was getting a shave in the morning, and as I'm shaving that morning, a Bible verse came into my mind. It, it's in the book of Acts, and uh, in, in, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul is talking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. He had planted that church. It was a big part of his heart and his passion. And he had been off church planting, preaching here, there. He'd come back to Ephesus now, and, and it wasn't gonna, he wasn't going to be there long, and he knew that he wouldn't be able to come back to Ephesus. This was going to be his last time there. So this is what he's telling them on his last time there. Acts 20 and verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Now obviously I knew that verse because it came into my memory, into my mind. But it hit me in a different way than it ever had before. I'd used this verse when I was talking to church leaders, to other pastors. I'd encourage them taking his words to these pastors where Paul said, you know what, you, you, really, you really need to watch over the flock. You're an overseer. Your main job is to care and watch over, to look after them. It's to shepherd them and to remember how precious they are because Jesus bought them with his own blood. But you know what I had never done in years of knowing that verse and even using that verse to teach? What I had never, ever done is really take notice of the first four words. 
keep watch over yourselves. And that morning, it like hit me like a brick. Keep watch over yourself. Keep watch over yourself. And it's like the, the, the impact of that was a reminder to me that actually my first responsibility, my first responsibility as a pastor is not to look after the people who are part of our church family. My first responsibility is I've got to look after me. Because if I don't look after me, I'm not going to be capable of looking after the people that God has made part of our church family. Is that fair? Keep watch over yourselves. Actually, a lot of other translations translate that a little more aggressively. They say, guard yourself. Guard yourself. I've kind of just made it a little more simple for the sake of this series, and I called this series, Look After Yourself. And what I want to encourage you to do as we go into this year is to make a point of looking after yourself in several different ways. And we're going to look at one today, one next week, and one the week after. The, the Song of Solomon is a fascinating book in the Bible. In some ways, it's difficult to understand. And in other ways, you wouldn't want your younger children to read it because it's a little bit detailed, a better relationship between a man and a woman. And there's one point in the Song of Solomon where it says this, uh, chapter 1 and verse 6, the, the woman is talking about herself, herself in a culture where, where to be really dark-skinned was frowned upon. And, and here's what she said, don't look down on me because I'm dark, darkened by the sun's harsh rays. My brothers ridiculed me and sent me to work in the fields. They made me care for the face of the earth but I had no time to care for my own face. And it could well be that this Sunday morning, there are some of us in here of whom that is true. I've cared for the face of the earth, but I haven't taken care of myself. And what I want to suggest to you this morning is this. You need to prioritize you. See, if I was to ask you today, who's the most important person in your life, you would say Jesus. Is that right? Because we're in church, and the answer to every question is generally Jesus, right? You know, it's a safe bet. Who died for us? Jesus. Who loves us more than anybody else? Jesus. Who's the most important person in your life? Jesus. All right, now that's a given. Who's next? Now, you might look at that and think, well, my family, my spouse, my children. But I want to tell you this. If you don't prioritize yourself, you're never going to be all you could be for everybody else who matters to you and whom you value in life. What matters most, the person who's most significant the person who's got to get you have first attention after Jesus is we need to look after ourselves. Now, I know that's contrary to all we've ever learned, right? When, when, when I was kind of uh, way, way, way younger, thank you, Charlotte, for the mention as the uh, senior member of the staff team or oldest member. Um, I remember we, in kids' ministry, we used to sing a little song that went J-O-Y, it was the tune of Jingle Bells. You could have Christmas all year round, right? J-O-Y, J-O-Y, surely this must be Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. But you know what? There's a lot to that, but 
Error is truth taken to an extreme. The fact is, if you keep putting yourself last, you're going to have no steam for the others that you need to be a blessing to and you need to be helping and encouraging and supporting. We need to look after ourselves. I, I was reading a book the, the, uh, last year, earlier last year, a book called Thrive by Ariana Huffington, who would not necessarily uh, be someone I'd look to uh, read, but I, I heard her speaking and I wanted to read her book. And she tells the story that when she started the Huffington Post, it became incredibly successful and she was working 16 hours a day, absolutely loving it, nonstop, everything was going really, really well. Until she said she woke up on the floor beside her desk in a pool of blood. And what had happened was she had just collapsed because of fatigue, and as she fell to the floor, she gashed her head on the glass top of her desk. And she says, over the next few weeks, sitting in doctor's offices, waiting for everything conceivable to be checked out, she said, I, I did a heck of a lot of thinking, and I came to realize that I need to take better care of me. My life can't just be about my business. And she wrote the, that fascinating book. And the truth is for all of us, unless we include our own well-being in the way we live, unless we purposely look after ourselves, we'll be no use to anybody else and no use to the kingdom of God in the end. There are a lot of people, I meet a lot of people who really are not overly happy with their lives. But I only tell you, let, let me just tell you this story that perhaps illustrates this. When, when um, the third oldest member of our church staff was a little girl, three years old. I won't tell you who I'm talking about, okay? But um, when she was three years old, it was Christmas Day, and they were showing The Wizard of Oz on TV. And we're sitting down watching The Wizard of Oz. I think I might give her identity away with the next statement. She was sitting on my knee as a three-year-old, and she, was, she had her head kind of face into my chest, and she was crying because the witch and everything else going on was frightening her. And now and again, she'd turn around and look at the TV and come back. And I said, wait a second, I'm going to turn it off. Now, a lot of you people have got no idea what I'm going to say right now. In those days, you actually had to get up out of your chair and walk across the room. I know, weird, isn't it? Isn't it strange? You really did. So you thought twice about turning it off, you know? It's like the remote was over there, so, you know, the remote's over there. You're not sure if you changed the channel. We didn't have remotes. So I said, let me go and turn off. No, I'm watching it. So a little bit later. Now, come on, let, let, let's, just, let's, just, let's just go play a game. No, no, I want to see this. I want to see this. And she's there cowering and crying and wanting to see it. And that sometimes is a picture of where people get to in life. They're not happy with their life. They're uncomfortable with their life. They may be afraid uh, because of where they are. But let me tell you something. You've got the clicker for your life. You've got the clicker for your life. 
And with God's help and the guidance of God's Word, if you're not happy with where your life is, you actually have the power to change it. Look after yourself. So here's the focus for today, okay? If you're just visiting, that was the introduction. If you're a regular, you're thinking that was a short introduction. Here's where I want to focus today. I want to talk about the necessity to keep a clear head. Keep a clear head. Looking after myself means my mind needs to be in a good place, my thoughts need to be in a good place, and I need to be able to see things and think about things clearly. I can't live stressed out, overwhelmed, and be all the benefit I want to be to the people that love me and that I love and to the God that I'm serving. If I'm living stressed out, then the fact is I'm living subpar, okay? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion of Christ. How do you get led astray from your sincere devotion to Christ? The target is the mind. He says, I'm afraid that your minds will be led astray. You see, in the book of Proverbs, it says this, as a person thinks, that's how they are. So their mindset really very much defines them. So a person whose mind is full of worry is a worrier. A person who has, a, has anger filling his mind is going to be an angry person. A person who in their mind carries thoughts of unforgiveness is going to be an unforgiving person. A person with unclean thoughts in their minds is going to live an unclean life. A person whose mind is filled with the peace of God is going to be a person who, who emanates peace to everybody around them. The mind is such a key thing. In Philippians chapter 4 uh, and verse 5, it says this, don't be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding, look at this, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying here, listen, the antidote to anxiety is to have your mind guarded and your mind guarded by the peace of God. 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your heart on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. So he's saying, if you want to be focused on Jesus and the things about Jesus, you need to have a mind that is alert and fully sober. That's using sober in its widest sense, but in its initial sense, that's good too. Minds that are alert. You've got to keep your mind alert. You've got to keep a clear head. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, right? Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Look at this next phrase to be made new in the attitude of your minds. 
and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul's saying here, he, he, he says, you, you know what, part of what Jesus wants to do for you is to renew your mind, the attitude of your mind. And, and some of you here today, it might be that you're, you know, you're here and, and kind of you almost didn't come here because you're already fried in your minds thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to take care of that. I've got so many other things to do. Others of you may be here today and you, you know, it could, it could be that you're coming in and out of what's happening here because you, your mind's on things that are going on in life outside of here and, and you've got all kinds of stresses and worries and tensions. And, and one of the things we need to really get a grip on if we're going to keep a clear head is how to manage stress. How to manage stress. Some of you may say, well, you, know, you don't really know much about this, Roger. You, you, you know, you, you pastor the church. Okay, well, we'll just move on from there. I think most of you got the point there, right? <laughs> how we manage stress is, is, is so important. You see, stress is a part of life. Hey, Jesus said in this world, you're going to have problems. And stress is a major problem in life in the 21st century, which when you think about it is so weird. My mother raised five children in a small three-bedroom brownstone with no bathroom, no refrigerator. I guess that means she went food shopping every day. No refrigerator, no washing machine. Imagine that, seven people. And then they invented electricity and no. <laughs> but she didn't. I'm, I'm like trying to think through. I don't, the, the other day when I'm thinking about this, you know, Monday was laundry day for my mother. And, and, and she just, she just in the, at the kitchen sink, there was a big kitchen sink. And she filled it with hot water and whatever else. And she had this scrubbing board thing. And she cleaned all of the clothes. And, and she rinsed them all. She had no dryer. It was unbelievable. But we live such a charmed life with all these things that make life easier. And we're more stressed out than my mother ever was. As far as I know. Right? I mean, I mean, you don't, you know, a few weeks ago, at, you know, we got a great Christmas arrangement. Jill buys everybody's gifts and I pay the Amex bill. <laughs> Works, worked for years. I love that. No problem. But, but she was, Jill was kind of getting a little bit anxious. You know, we got to get these gifts and we got to get them to the UK and these we got to send here and these we got to, and I said, do me a favor, just leave it alone. Friday afternoon, I've got an hour clear. Leave it to me. So, I did not chase around stores finding gifts, take them home, wrap them, put them in parcels, take them to the post office, and send them to people. I went to my best friend, Amazon Prime. <laughs> right? And I went to Amazon.co.uk. Right? Yeah, and I paid a buck or two extra to have them gift wrapped, sent, delivered, done. So within an hour, all the Christmas shopping, we live with so many things to make life so much easier, and yet we live so stressed. And if our minds are stressed, then the reality is that's how 